Welcome to the Inspired to be Authentic podcast. I am your host, Matt Lancedell. Inspired to be Authentic is a podcast where we converse with people who are living their most authentic lives. We get real with our guests and talk openly about how they live with courage to be themselves. We explore barriers they have overcome to be more authentic and aligned to themselves and their purpose. Today is episode 17 and we are joined by Mo Zabian. Hey. Hey. Not correctly? <laughs> you did say it correctly, yeah. Good, good. Okay. Um, yeah, welcome. Uh, Thank today, you, Matt. Today we're going to be talking about breaking the shackles of stigma and loneliness. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. some heavy stuff. Um, so we're going to be <laughs> kind favorite of, topic, right? Yeah, uh, we're going to be bringing the bridge between stigma, shame, authenticity, and how we can um, support ourselves and support other people as they move through this, and uh, how we can break stigma. This is a big thing, and I think this is an area that Mo brings to us uh, with some great expertise. Um, he has a, po- a podcast called um, Queer. At at heart. heart. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so okay. yeah, www.queeratheart.com. Um, so you can check that out. Uh, Mo was born and raised in a city called London of Lebanese descent, moved to Toronto over 16 years ago after family found out he was gay, moved to Toronto as a social worker actor, and later got scouted as a fashion model. After traveling Southeast Asia for a year, he came back to Toronto realizing his true purpose was to deliver a greater message and help others tell their own truth through his show Queer at Heart by having open dialogue on stigmatized issues. So what a perfect fit. (laughs) Again, again, welcome. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. This is going to be good. (laughs) Thank you. Me too. I'm very excited to have it. Yeah. Um, so why don't you just tell us a little bit about maybe some of your backstory, like what? Uh... <laughs> well, uh, I, you know, I, about three years ago, I think it was, I, uh, you know, I think much like you, I had done my, um, I had done a travel around Southeast Asia. So I might've traveled like maybe seven or eight countries. And then I decided to go live in, you know, Beirut city for four months. And, you know, I I kind of was escaping Toronto, you know, I was kind of escaping my reality, you know, I was kind of running. And uh, when I came back, um, I, you know, I remember going out one night with a friend. And I remember I, uh, you know, we were out, we were having, you know, we were having a drink and I was having a a discussion on some, you know, an issue, I think it was HIV. We were talking about HIV. We were at a bar and this guy said to me that he actually had no idea what HIV undetectable meant. And I thought to myself, you know, I felt like, you know, I, I I just couldn't believe that he didn't know what it meant. Like, here you are out, you're out, you're, you know, you're, you're, you party you know, maybe this guy's having casual sex. And, you know, when he finds out that somebody's HIV, he literally says, no, I can't do that. Like, you know, because he's not educated on undetectability. And I said, well, you know, this is what it means to be undetectable. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I had left that night, I realized that uh, I had... um, I had a, I had a, I had a job to do basically. And I thought 
I had come back from traveling for a year and I thought, what is it that I'm going to bring to the table now? You know, what is it that I, I'm going to contribute um, to the world? Because I felt my, in my mind, like, if I'm not here to change lives or help people change their own lives, then what the hell am I here for anymore? Like, you know, there's only so far I can go. There's only so many places in the world. I mean, not so many places. I can travel the whole entire world and I've traveled a lot. But at the end of the day, you know, um, what is it that I'm going to bring to make people's lives and rich people's lives? And so at that point, that is when I thought, oh, wait a second. I can do something. Actually, I can, I can um, start something where I can bring people to the table and I can create a safe space for us to have dialogue and to educate people on all these taboo issues such as mental health, such as drug use, such as um, the, the, the process of surrogacy, such as uh, religion and, and, and how people consolidate their religions with their sexuality, mm. um, as far as body dysmorphia. You know, it's, there's, just, there's 27 topics on, on, my, um, on my website right now. Episodes, I mean. So, and after, you know, coming to Toronto and having my own struggles, I thought, oh, you know, I have, I have a lot to contribute here. And I want, especially gay men, to be able to live a functional life and to be able to connect and feel that they're worthy of connection to dismantling their own shame. Hmm. And being with that, you know, and understanding that... Um, I guess it's like Brene Brown. She says, you know, there's three things that, that, that make shame grow. It's secrecy, silence, and judgment. Yeah. So, yeah. We're, we're on a very, very similar mission. <laughs> yeah. And it's so cool to see you articulate yourself and, and kind of what your passion is. And I can feel, I can feel it. I can feel exactly where you're coming from. And it's a very similar place to where I'm coming from. Um, what is this place inside of you? that makes you feel so passionate about wanting to help other people? Uh, you know, it's because I know the feeling, you know, like I grew up with that feeling. I grew up in a place, London, Ontario, where I was, you know, this, uh, I grew up in a very, I didn't grow up in a religious family. I grew up in a very secular family, um, Middle Eastern mom and dad, who were pretty cool and pretty liberal, you know, and, um, you know, when I had come out, like, I didn't come out till I was 20, right? So I knew I was gay at six and a half years old, you know, and I had lived all these years suppressing it. And, you know, um, my the education system that I was a part of wasn't very easy either, which I can get into at another time. But I I also just didn't didn't I didn't know how to express my I didn't know whether I was going to be disowned. Like I knew by my by like age 14, 15, I was really aware. I was like, okay, wait a second, like this is real. Like I have an attraction towards other men and I can't escape it. So I would I would pray. And I literally prayed for years and thought, okay, I'm gonna get married, I'm gonna marry a woman and I'm gonna have children and this is gonna be over and God is gonna help me. And I, and I was so convinced by this. And then you get to a point where you're like, no, 
this is my reality. And I come out, I came out to my family. You know, it was very hard. My mother for many years, I was, um, you know, my dad was, was pretty cool about it actually. Um, but it took my mother about seven or like I lost basically the love of my life, which was my mother. And, you know, I, I took her like seven or eight years to come around and like, she was very distant with me. And she, at one point, very early on, she wanted me to go to therapy. And, and I thought, you know, and my sister had basically let go of me and she didn't want me to, um, to, you know, tell the kid, her kids about it. And she said, you'll never bring a guy home. And, you know, this is not going to be exposed to the family and nobody will ever know about this, blah, blah, blah. So for me, living that experience and knowing that, uh, you know, I've lived my whole life searching. So, you know, I've traveled, I've gone to meditation retreats. I've, you know, you've read, you read all the books. I, I, I'm a social worker. And so like, I, I, I thought, wait a second, I've experienced this stuff. And there's, there are so many other people I'm hearing. So I hear stories all the time who are struggling through this and surely we can provide to as little or as, as many people as possible, the tools yeah, and the tools that work for me, you know, or work for you. And like, it's not just about talking about these issues. It's about how do people find a way out yeah. to live a more enriched, um, you know, meaningful life, you know, because, uh, you know, it's, uh, your mind is fucking with you, mm-hmm. you know, on a daily basis. We all know that your mind is telling you these, inc- these incessant thoughts are telling you you're not good enough, or you can't do this. Or if you come out, you're going to be disowned or whatever it is. And all this like mental turmoil. Yeah. So for me, the show is an avenue in which to give people tools. You know, this is the direction I'm going in is, a, is bringing people on the show that can provide solutions and tools and, provide a way out mm-hmm. because there is a way out. There's a way out if you want it, yeah. you know, we don't have to be stuck in our traumas and we don't have to live through these traumas well into old age. You know, we can, we can heal yeah, and we can learn to connect yeah, just in the same way we learned how to hate ourselves. Yeah. It's, we got to unlearn that. Yeah. And, and I love the term remembrance because we, we already know how to love ourselves. We were born into this world knowing how to love ourselves. And we have to, we have to remember who oh. we actually are. Right. And I think that's what the journey of life is. For me, it's, it's been about, I come into this life pure. Okay. Child essence energy. You're just living in the moment. And then we become domesticated by the adults in our life. Right. And we mm-hmm. become so observant of other people observing us and we develop this ego. Mm-hmm. And then we, part of what happened for me, you know, in my 20s and 30s is like unlearning some of this stuff and not all having to build myself, my sense of self off of the reflection of other people. And that's kind of how my journey moving towards my authenticity has, has, developed is uh letting go of of this and these expectations i put on myself i'm just letting myself be Mm -hmm. but the the murky waters i had to go through were all around shame and this is the stuff that i learned in my upbringing about that i don't measure up because the world around me is this way and i'm this way Mm -hmm. what's your experience with shame been like how has it shown up in your life 
Oh, <laughs> heavy uh, question, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it showed up in my life through anger. Okay. Right. Um, I've been angry over the things, uh, over, you know, not being able to share my story openly with my family, you know, mm-hmm. with my extended family, you know, I've always, you know, judged myself. I've always kept myself silent and I've always kept it a secret. And as a result, I've lashed out in anger and I've lashed out in anger, you know, uh, when I've dated partners who are ashamed or who don't want to be open to their families. And it, it just, it gets in the way of your ability to actually be um, in, the mo- in that moment with your, with your intimate partner, with your, you know what I mean? And, and, and for me, it has definitely, um, it showed up in so many different ways. Like even, even job at going on a job interview, just thinking of not being good enough because that, you know, it happens like, you know, as, as gay men, we, um, we live our whole lives being rejected in some way, shape or form. So like, even if we go into a job interview and that person who's interviewing us has no idea we're gay, we're still in our head thinking, oh my God, this person's going to find out we're gay or this person's going to have a different view of, of us or, you know, picture us as like, you know, uh, less of a human or less of a man or less masculine or whatever it is, you know? So there's all, uh, it, it showed up and so it's creeped up in so many different ways in my life and completely, uh, demolished opportunities for me to connect and be a part of the world. You know what? Everything you just said, it reminds me of the book, the velvet rage. And I'm sure you've read that. Yes. Have you... I, I know I haven't, I've heard of the book and I've read parts of it, but I haven't read the whole entire book, but I know it's a great book. It is. Yeah. And I think I didn't understand the rage aspect of it. I knew a lot of the stuff in there. I've been, I've been in psychology for a lot of my career and, um, but the rage component of being a gay man, I didn't have quite a strong grasp on that, but it's so real. We, we feel like we've been ripped off or we've been deprived of, of things that, that mainstream people get to experience. And um, part of my journey has been learning how to connect with what's underneath the anger. Right. Uh, and I think that is the roots. The anger is just the kind of the, the fruit that grows on the tree, but you want to really get down to the roots. So for, for me, it was sadness. It was a, it was a sadness and a loneliness and a pain and a hurt. It was kind of all this stuff, this dark blob. And I've had to really connect with it. And I kind of call it my shadow self, you know what I mean? uh, And, and, and been working with that over the course of the last four or five years. And it's, it's heavy work, but it's been, it's been how I've learned to liberate. So I'm just curious for yourself, what, what's like the, the layers of, of anger and stuff like what, what is it that's, that's got you um, feeling angry and what's maybe underneath some of that anger? Well, it wasn't anger as in lashing out externally. Okay. It wasn't like that. It was internal anger. Okay. It was internalized anger. Um, that like, um, it, it was like an internal cry for help. 
and and yeah, sure, I would get angry. I would get angry, um, but uh, sorry, could you repeat the question again? What was the question exactly again? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so basically, I'm just curious about the anger and like what's underneath the anger. What 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 were you experiencing that was creating you to to be angry? Oh, oh, good, good question. Uh, oh. Uh, abandonment, you know, just feeling yeah. abandoned and feeling rejected. And so not like feeling like whenever there was a conflict, you know, in a relationship or anything like that, that it was the end, like I was being rejected or, or, or like, you know, it was, I got so, I would get so anxious that I would be like, oh my God, I'm being left or I'm being um, abandoned by this human. But really it was just this little conflict that could be resolved. Yeah. So you know, uh, yeah, so what's under it is the feeling of abandonment, probably, uh, you know, uh, likely caused by something I experienced in childhood, being yeah. bullied, being bullied um, in school because I was a bit of an effeminate kid who I had a, a little bit of an effeminate voice. And, like, I was just a real, like, um, yeah, there was a lot of rejection, and okay. there's a lot of a, a, a rejection as a kid. And of course I interpreted it as, you know, I'm not worthy. You know, I'm not worthy. I'm never going to be worthy so long as I'm gay. I'm not. Uh, and so I internalized it and it became a part of my experiences and my relationships. And as a result, you attract the wrong people. You know, you start attracting people who are dishonest with you. You start attracting, because, you know, people feed onto your energy people who cheat on you, people who aren't, you know, uh, who aren't giving you what you want and you start blaming them for it because, you know, you start thinking it's their fault when, you know, in reality, they're just, uh, you know, they're just uh, projecting, reflecting back to you what you're giving them. And so, you know, you realize, oh, wait a second this is a reoccurring thing. And so this can't be everybody else's problem. You know, this has got to be my problem. It's got to be my issue that I have to dismantle and understand um, cognitively that, you know, this is not the truth of who I am. I'm not some, I'm, I am worthy. You know, you get to the point where I am worthy. Um, those things I believed or that we believe when we're children are, are not true. We bought into it. Um, you know, everybody is worthy, right? Yeah. Everybody is worthy. Everybody's worthy of the same opportunities. Everybody's worthy of whatever they want, whatever they desire, you know, and um, it's just a matter of, do you have the courage enough to ask for it? Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, it had nothing to do with the person I was with. It had to do with the experiences I had previously to that and how I had festered it. And I had, um, it was so embedded, you know, it's still work I'm doing. It's not like, Oh, it's, it's over. It's done. I've done the work. No, I mean, it's lifelong work. You're going to be triggered. You're going to, or I'd, I'd like to say activated, activated. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I'm going to be activated and that's okay to be activated. It's just a matter of, are you aware of it at this point uh, 
to not let it affect you further or jeopardize or sabotage your life. Mm. So for me, that is the brunt of the work. It's like how, and man, you find out so many more things. I mean, when you dive into it and you start writing about this stuff and journaling it and doing the work, you find out, oh, like you just start peeling back and realizing there's other, there's other crap, (laughs) you know, underneath it all. It's like you're peeling back and peeling back. And so it's work. You know Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. You know, you know, it's work. And I think that's why a lot of us don't get around to uh, feeling healthy or, or, you know, feeling like we're worthy is because it takes a lot of goddamn work. It's exhausting. Yeah. (laughs) And worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. That answers your question. Yeah, it does. I'm just tuning into my body right now and kind of feeling into like what the words that you're saying, the energy behind the words and kind of what, and I just, I just want to say this. I see so much beauty in you and I feel so much love for you right now. It's kind of a weird experience. And I, well, that's not a weird experience. It's a really beautiful experience actually. And I think what I'm experiencing is I'm experiencing myself through you right now. Um, because I see so much of myself in you and, um, I'm really relating to the the thing about abandonment because for me, I experienced that so greatly and I still experience it um, to this day. And I've, what I've noticed in myself is that the abandonment for me, it actually is, it may have started from an actual abandonment experience when I was younger, like maybe my dad leaving when I was, when I was a kid. Um, but what I think it really is for me around my belonging to myself is what it is. I abandoned myself by trying to change who I was because I didn't accept being gay for the developmental informative years of my life. And I tried to be more masculine. I tried to be this, I tried to be that. And the the real me, the authentic me got abandoned. And I think as I started to do this work around authenticity, it's been all about coming home to myself mm-hmm. and learning to not abandon myself and not reject myself. And that includes my shadows just as much as it does the things I love about myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious for you, what, what's your, um, what's your journey been like coming home to yourself and learning how to accept yourself? Hmm. Well, you know, I, it's been a rough journey. I mean, without a doubt, it's gotten easier mm. uh, for me to come back home, <laughs> I guess we could say. And, uh, you know, it is coming home. You're right. It's exactly what that is. Um, it's been rough. I mean, it's been, you know, years of, you know, do, you, you know, you can relate doing drugs to mask these issues. Yeah. Um, to pretend that, you know, that we can somehow soothe our pain, you know, and like skip our emotions through drinking, um, through overeating, maybe through sexual encounters, Mm. through um, drugs and through anger. Actually, anger in itself can be a drug, you know, and, you know, and, uh, just pretending that it was going to be okay. And so it might've been in the last two years, you know, that I really, like I've always been into this self-development stuff, but I realized in the last couple of years, I just, that 
more, so much more deeper work, you know, had to be done, has to be done, especially in the last six months, I would say, where I realized, oh, I got to put, because you got to keep on pushing yourself just when you think you've healed or when something, you know, something else comes up, Mm. a challenge comes up. And for me, it's about understanding um, what the intentions are of the people around me, the people you want to keep around you who support you in your journey. Um, it's about <clears throat> um, creating uh, new habits in your life, which means, uh, you know, putting the therapy or the coaching that you need in place or, you know, uh, uh, you know, for me, it's like I wasn't able to sit down and there's a lot of times I wasn't able to sit down and do mindfulness and meditate. And I would never ask anybody who's depressed to do that because I don't think it's possible, actually. I think you need to ask people to do something simpler before you ask them to go meditate. So for me, I would go to like, you know, I did a lot of retreats like Vipassana, okay? When I didn't even know how to do that, I just pushed myself into it and sit there for 10 hours a day for 10 days, <laughs> you know? and like. ADHD had me and like, you know, sitting there struggling. I was like, maybe I just should have went create a habit of going for a walk every day for an hour and then ease myself into meditation. Yeah. You know, and like, cause you can't tell, I don't believe you can tell people to go and meditate because most people don't know how to close their eyes and meditate and it freaks them out. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was about putting that into place. Um, It was about, Connecting with people who were like me and who were on that journey, that healing journey. It was about being able to be, a, be still with my thoughts and find a way and not be afraid of them, you know, mm. and understand that they are actually only just thoughts, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, that we've accumulated or that we have, um, uh, let sort of bog us down throughout our life. So for me, it's about even cutting off family. It, it was about that. It was about sitting in that pain of understanding that I may or may not ever speak to some of my family members again, um, or I might not know or talk to maybe my sister again, or that I would never get to know my niece and nephew, you know, uh, and I had to accept it. I had to just sort of accept the shame that was put, kind of essentially put on me by others, imposed on me by others, by, and I bought into it. And I was like, oh, they don't accept me. They don't understand me. So therefore, I'm going to start feeling ashamed of myself because I'm not good enough to be an uncle to my niece and nephew. You know, so for me, it, it, it's about being very open with myself and with others um, about what I was going through and letting my belly out Mm. (laughs) and saying, you know what, like um, uh, I, um, you know, I'm fucked. (laughs) it's about admitting it Mm -hmm. and saying, actually there's a problem. And 
I'm going to actively and consciously work on that problem because I am worthy uh, with or without these external things, yeah. um, such as friends or family that I've had to let go of, such as drugs, such as um, sex, like, you know, not to, you know, or like uh, just having sex out of, um, out of a, a place of, of, of being wounded. So um, for me, it's about uh, understanding that I am actually loved by God. And so like, I don't, I don't really believe in God, to be honest. Like I'm, I'm, I would say I'm more of an atheist, but I'm, I'm, I do believe, obviously, you know, I, we do all the spiritual work. I'm, I would say I'm agnostic. Everything around us is God, the universe, you and me, everything that exists to me is God. So like, I would say that I, there's like, of course you're loved. When you think about it, it's like, of course I'm lovable. You know, when you really sit in that, you're like, oh, of course I'm worthy. Of course I'm lovable. Of course I deserve these things. So what, what is the part of us that tells us that we're not then? Uh, the part of it, the part of us that tells us that we're not is that, 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 that voice <laughs> that continues to play like, uh, you know, like a repetitive record. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what tells us we are not worthy. We're not good enough. And as a result, when we start to feel this way about ourselves, like they say, like, you know, I don't know if you do the works of Esther Hicks. Uh, some, yeah, yeah. And she says, you know, every day when you get up, like you are, um, the, the universe is giving you feedback. Every single day, everything that's happening to you, that is your feedback as to how you're doing internally. So that is your feedback. And so I, I think what holds us is that voice. Um, and as a result of having that voice, the world is giving you back that, you know, you want to feel ashamed. Okay. We're going to give you these experiences and we're going to continuously give you these experiences until you can learn the lesson and realize you are worthy. Yeah. And so that you can change that narrative, that story that you've built and start, talking to yourself in a better way through writing, learning what your language is through writing and then start writing a new language. Yeah. You know, and, um, so, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you just got to fix it. It's hard, Matt, you know, you know, this it's, it's very, it takes a lot of courage to heal. Right. And to sit in our own shit yeah. and to say, this is a lot of work. This is a lot of things I'm feeling. Um, but I'm going to work through it because I'm worthy Worth. and I'm going to yeah. do it and it's going to fucking hurt and it's going to take days and months and maybe even years. And that's why many of us never get there because it's so much work and, and we don't have a lot of support around us um, to help us get there, you know? So um, the tools aren't there in place for people so I think that's very important, uh, you, you know, with the work that you do and the work that I'm, we, I do is to be able to like give people hope and say, you know what, there is hope, there is a way and he, here are tools that work for me. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to add on to that and just say, you know, you said most of us don't get there because it's hard. Right. And I would say there is no there. <laughs> 
right? Exactly. Yeah. There yeah. is no there because we There's often no we think that and we think, okay, I want to get here. I want to get to this destination. And then once we're, we're just about to get to that destination, we've already extended it to another yeah. destination. So it's, it's just an illusion. The, the yeah. arrival of there is when you stop and you enter the present moment and you allow yourself to feel the beauty and the energy that you already are. That's 100%. the arrival. Right. Yep. And I think um, when people learn that, that's when things start to change is the remembrance, the allowance. It's these, these things, um, you know, embracing your shadows, embracing the things you don't necessarily like about yourself. And that doesn't mean that you have to love them, but it just means you have to be okay with them being there. And um, we all have them. And if we deny them, they get stronger. Uh, so it's just about kind of looking at yourself in the mirror and being like, you know what? I like what I see and, and, and making that a daily practice. And, um, so yeah, I like, I like that you, the way that your mind works is, is, is quite beautiful. Like there's how you process things and, um, the way that you articulate it. So I appreciate your, I appreciate your vulnerability and just showing up. It's, it's, it's really cool. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you as well. And, uh, I do connect, you know, I, I, um, I, I think that there's just, there's a way, you know, and, um, you're right. There is no destination, you know, there's a, but you know, we could surely get to a place where we feel peaceful and continue that continue building on that peace. And, uh, you know, we all, we all deserve that. Yeah. We all deserve to feel that feeling. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's, it is like a drug, you know, once you feel that peace, you want more of it, you want more of it and more of it. And sometimes we get sidetracked and that's why you have to build a very strong foundation. You know, it, it's no different than going to the gym, yeah. you know, and building that muscle. It's the same with uh, what you're building with your self-confidence and your self-esteem and, and just coming out of this, you know, years of believing that, uh, you aren't worthy of being here. That's not the truth. I mean, you are. You're beautiful. No matter who you are, no matter what you look like or where you're from or, or, or what your sexuality is or, you know, however you choose to live your life, and you are beautiful, you know, yeah. and that's the truth. I mean, that's just the full-out truth. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, what you said made me think of, like, how much I spent my life doing to try to arrive to this destination of being okay with myself. And it, it, it was less about doing and it was more about being for me because mm -hmm. I, I, I had to stop my pursuit of, of perfection and allow myself to be imperfect. And that happened in yeah. being, right? Just allowing myself to be. It was such a beautiful gift I could give myself and I have to do it every day. It's a practice, man. Like you working my way out of perfectionism has been and uh, it's been crazy. It's been <laughs> very crazy. So um, one thing I want to touch on is loneliness. I think as, as gay men, as men in general, and as human beings, we all experience it. But I think, you know, I, I would love to talk about men in the loneliness that men experience and, and specifically us as gay men. Mm -hmm. What's your relationship with loneliness? Well, uh, loneliness to me, I linked to the lack of, well, part of it, okay? So this is not all, all I link it to. So whenever I've been lonely, I realize it's because I'm not being understood, okay? 
And I realized second, there's, is that it's because I've created an illusion in my mind about how my life could be better. It's like a fantasy, right? It's like, I won't be lonely if I have this. I won't be lonely if I have this. I won't be lonely if I have a million dollars. I won't be lonely if I have a really great man in my life. I won't be lonely if I have a home in Hawaii. But, you know, it's about, you're right, it's about being okay with where you're at and being able to build and being like, yeah, I am lonely, you know. I actually feel like I'm depressed. So telling yourself, yeah, I feel depressed and lonely. I feel alone. Um, but connection uh, makes us feel a whole lot, a whole lot less lonely. And so when we are connecting with each other and we are understanding each other's loneliness and we under, we're able to communicate with each other and understand each other's experiences, I think that there's, there's a, you know, most of the time, uh, there, there people, people find purpose. They're like, Oh, you feel this way too. Oh, you know, like, we share this experience with each other. Like, that's beautiful. We share the experience of loneliness as gay men or as men or whatever. Like, you know, it's about understanding one another and really seeing one another, you know? Um, and for me, that has brought me less loneliness when somebody can see me and understand my experience and that I can voice it and voice, you know, what I'm feeling. Um, but it's also, yeah, you know, it's about changing that, 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 that dialogue in your head that says I will be better and I will feel more fulfilled if I have this, if I have B, if I have C, and if I had this, the fact of the matter is, you know, like, you know, some people might say this is a little, um, uh, 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 cynical, Mm-hmm. But I actually don't think it is. You know, we are we we come into this planet like you know by ourselves as individuals, and like no matter who it is that comes across our paths, you know we're still alone. We're still separate entities who are responsible for our own feelings and emotions and our mental state. And you know, um, we have to learn how to be okay with sitting, you know, with our thoughts and our emotions as dark and as uncomfortable as they may be, you know, sitting there and being like, holy shit, like when you're really being objective about it and you're watching, you're observing these thoughts and these emotions, you're like, holy shit. Like, that's why it's so scary is because people don't know how to look at that and be like, oh my God, like that's why people go and distract themselves with things because sitting with yourself is it can destroy you if you don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, it definitely does. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can get into this. I can stay here, you know, each one of these topics, I feel like we can stay here for hours and dissect these things. Right. I know. I know. It's the social worker mentality in in us, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, I, um, yeah. So that's, yeah. uh, I don't know if that answer, I hope that answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have another question that I want to pick at because I actually want to be, I want to build off of what you just said. Um, 
connection is the remedy to loneliness, but shame is the thing that prevents us from having connection. Do you, do you agree with that? Say it again. Say the first part again. So connection is the remedy to loneliness. Connection is remedy to loneliness. Okay. And shame is the, one of the biggest barriers to having authentic connection with people. Mm -hmm. So where do we, as people who experience shame, how do we get over that? How do we get over being seen for who we really are so we can have authentic connection to cure our loneliness? Well, empathy, I think. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I think that empathy, you know, I was reading a while ago that empathy is the antidote to shame. Mm. And, um, you know, when we, when we feel like, you know, Uh, you know, when you, when you feel like you're worthy of connection, when you're living um, courageously, you live courageously because you, you feel like you're worthy. You're worthy of connection. You're worthy of connecting. Yeah. So, and I don't think that, I think that it, it takes work to, um, to be that, to be, to become that person. Like, for example, um, People who are uh, who accept them, people who are generally pretty happy, optimistic people. You know, there's been a lot of research uh, done. Some of the research was actually done with uh, some some of the stuff was some stuff that Brene Brown did as well. Is that um, you know people felt worthy of connection, right? That's why they were able to, uh, uh, people who, who were optimistic felt worthy of connection. They accepted things. They accepted life as it was, you know? So when things came to them, they accepted it. So they were okay to be the first person to say, I love you and realize that they might not get the, you know, a similar response, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they understood that they were worthy of connection. They were worthy. They were okay with saying, I love you first. They were okay, you know, just like she was saying that um, they were okay with like, you know, if they got a phone call from a doctor who said you had cancer, mm-hmm. they accepted it. They're like, mm-hmm. this is life. Let's just accept it and move on and see how we can overcome this. So um, how do you're saying, how do we deal with shame? And right? Was that the question? Yeah. And and, and it's about being open about your shame. It's about not silencing it. It's about not sitting there in your head, judging it. It's about sharing with each other. Oh, you know, this is what, this is how I feel. This is what I'm feeling. And it's, you know, it's, it's about not silencing it and it's about not keeping it a secret. It's about sharing it. Yeah. I like that. And realizing it's actually just, you know, it's just shame. It's a, it's a thought. It's an, you know, this idea, this really um, twisted idea that you're not okay because you're holding the secret inside. And um, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Cause it's like when we, 
live with courage and we talk about our shame, we foster connection. Uh-huh. Through that connection, we share more of our vulnerabilities and we're relatable. Through that relatability, we can step into curing our loneliness with connection. It's kind of all interconnected, but it uh-huh. takes that first step. It takes that courage to just start to share parts of yourself that maybe you've never shared because you're going to connect and align to people who have that same hang up. The universe is always bringing people into our, into our experience. And when we're not aligned and safe in sharing it, they trigger the shit out of us. But those are the people that were, they're waiting to align to us when we're ready to align to ourselves. That's Amen. Amen. Right. That's the beautiful thing about, about this work is that when you start to be real with you, you attract exactly who and what you need into your life in order to bring you happiness. But before making peace with it and aligning to it, it triggers us. So I I always say that there's so much treasure in our triggers because all the people that have triggered me in the past, I'm actually fostering such beautiful connections with them. Right. And I, and I actually think back to our first interaction that we had over Facebook and it was a bit triggering for me. And I know you probably felt the same way. We were kind of, we were saying the same thing, but we were going at it from completely different angles. And then it just aroused both of us. And then we were just like, whatever. And then look at us here, right? Yeah. We're having this beautiful conversation and we're relating to each other through our struggle and through things we've been through. And I see so much of myself in you which makes me think that the energy that I was feeling before was just energy. I hadn't made peace within myself and you were stimulating that within me. Oh, so how how beautiful, right? I just love it. It is beautiful. I love it too. And I think it's, it is beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I mean, I, cause I, I highly believe that too, Matt. I believe that we're here, you know, we're all here, whether, whether we choose to listen to it or not, you know, I feel like we're all here in relationships, whether it's a romantic one or a friendship, you know, um, to to learn from one another so i'm here to mirror back to you what you need to learn you're here to mirror back to me what i the the work i need to do so it's up to us whether we're going to take that as um a challenge and do it and and learn from what you're actually you're actually uh, mirroring back to me or am i just going to be triggered by it and uh be completely blindsided by it and just continue doing it with other people so i think um it's important, you know, uh, when, for people listening, you know, when you have, when, when you're being triggered by your friends, by your mother, by your father, by your boyfriend, <laughs> whoever it is, by your dog, perhaps your dog is triggering you. That is an opportunity. That is the sweet spot, you know, yeah. and learn to be in that sweet spot and to ask questions and write it down and dissect it and dismantle it. And like, just, be with it. Don't talk. Not, don't, you don't even have to necessarily talk to anybody about it. Just be with yourself about it. Yeah. And write it and figure out why the hell did your boyfriend chewing with his mouth open <laughs> fucking just make you go. Oh my God. Fucking berserk for no reason. That's me. <laughs> and like, what the hell is that? Why did that just trigger you? Yeah. You know, like. That's like an actual condition, I think. It has to be because it drives me fucking mental, man. I, I can't handle it. <laughs> you put eating with your mouth open? Yeah, just something about it. it. Like it creates like a visceral response inside of me. And I just like feel like I'm going to rage. <laughs> me too. There's not many things that can do that to me. But yeah, chewing with the mouth open and like slurping tea or anything like that. Yeah, something about it just drives slurping me. Slurping your soup? Yeah. Oh, 
crazy. No, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, are we going to learn from this? Like, you know, we've all been in these situations. It's like, it's happening over and over again. So like, what are you going to do now? Are you going to continue to, you know, have this be your experience? Or are you going to get the lesson and be like, actually, I'm the jerk. And I'm the one who's been a jerk to myself. Yeah. You know, by not taking the lesson, by not learning, I'm shortchanging myself. So, you know, I, uh, I'm very you know, especially in the last couple months, three months, you know, I just went through a bit of a breakup and I thought, wow, I got to step this up the next level. Because even in that situation, I was reacting in ways um, that I was like, wait a second, this isn't, I shouldn't have reacted that way. Like this was an opportunity for me to learn from this individual, no matter how toxic that individual was or what they were saying or how they triggered me. Like you always have the choice to actually respond yeah as opposed to react yeah and there is a difference and so uh you can responding is taking a moment you know and actually understanding oh okay it's understanding i could have reacted this way but i'm actually going to take a moment and understand why i'm being so activated by this behavior yeah um and it doesn't mean it's not going to bother you again it just means that you're going to learn how to handle that. <laughs> yeah. That's all it means. You know, it's like, Oh, okay. Next time I hear that person chew with their mouth open, I'm not going to be so activated, you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, um, something that's two things that have worked for me. One of them is get curious because for, I know for people triggers are, or activations, whatever you want to call them, they're really hard for people and they become immediately pulled into unconscious energy. And I think one of the things that helps me pull myself out of unconscious energy is curiosity because it's, it's, it's about questioning, asking yourself what's going on here instead of making it about them, start to start to get curious about your own process. And the other thing you've, you kind of said it, I'll just rephrase it. It's, um, give yourself that sacred space right? Pull yourself back from it and be able to just become the witness to yourself being irritated. You don't have to be the experience of somebody being irritated. You can simply watch yourself be irritated, right? It's the, it's <laughs> yes. present moment awareness. We become the witness to our own process. And that, for, that to me is the biggest thing because that gives you space between you, yourself, and I, and you, you become the I and the you and yourself get to remain where they are in the activated experience. So the I is about, okay, I'm here and I'm the witness and I'm going to watch it all play out. And it's, it takes a bit of, you know, to practice to get to that place, but lead with curiosity to start out and you'll definitely find your way there. That's what I would say. <laughs> No, and thank you for saying that. I'm really glad you, because I want, I also want to ask you. So like, I'm glad you answered that, that you said that because we have a hard time, I think, like viewing ourselves as separate beings from ourselves. So it's like, you know, if your friend or a family member, whoever it is, acted in that way in a relationship or whatever it is they react, they responded or or reacted to rather, we would give them advice. Yeah we would say, you know what, maybe you should look at it from this perspective. You know, maybe you should just take a moment, become the witness. But often with ourselves, because we are inside of ourselves, (laughs) you know, we are ourselves. We don't think of ourselves as separate beings. And like, wait a second, like this is an ego. You know, this is the false part of who I am. This is not the truth. 
this is not the love person that I was born, the joy ball that I was born and meant to be. This is a learned um, uh, behavior that I need. So now it's my responsibility to, to be able to look at myself as a separate being. Yeah. Because it's really actually kind of fascinating, you know, when yeah. you do it and you look at yourself like a oh, damn, like I would not let somebody get away with that. I would ask them questions, ask them the right questions in order to heal through their way through it. Yeah. And, and it's possible, you know, and it's great when you do it. You're like, holy shit, you know, like you become so proud of yourself. You're like, I can't believe I just did that, you know, <laughs> like give yourself a little pat on the back, you know, and you continuously make it a habit. And um, before you know it, you've created such, you know, a space of self-awareness and you just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into yourself and to the things that you need to heal because you know, you, you know this, right? Like you life leads you into the next thing. Yeah. Right. That the, yeah. I feel like that's how we experience our answers. Yeah. It's like, it's not about asking you get the answer when, you know, the whole thing about asking you shall receive it's like you receive it through your experiences on a daily basis. Like, um, you know, through, I don't know, it could be signs that you're asking for, whatever it is. Like, you know, people might think that's a bit cheesy, but like you experience it through living, through living your life, through walking down the street, to having interaction with somebody, you know, on the subway or in an Uber or whatever it is. Like, and you're like, oh, oh my God. Like you just have this epiphany. And things just start to make sense yeah. because you're open. You've created that space to be open to receiving that answer. And so it's really magical. Yeah, it is. And I, I kind of chum, chum that up as being, it's, it's an act of surrendering and you, you brought yes. up the ego and I wanted to, I wanted to, to touch on that too, because the ego's number one agenda is to be right. And mm-hmm. when we're triggered, our ego is the thing in the way from us becoming the presence and from us being curious because we want to be right. So we're only willing to see it through one lens and that's the lens of our ego needing to be right. So, um, that's a tough one for a lot of people. Right. And, uh, but yeah, just, um, actually how do how do you deal with your own ego? I think that's a good, a good area to kind of dig into a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> well, you know, we all know that the ego doesn't want to be detected, right? Yeah. So it just wants to take over your life. It wants to be there. It's, um, it's very, um, it's insidious, you know, it's like, it wants to be there and it doesn't want you to know about it. So, you know, um, again, it's about creating that practice, you know, so when I'm feeling ashamed, you know, and let's just use an example, let's just say about body and, you know, when, you know, when I look at myself and I say, oh, damn, Mo, you've gained like five pounds in your belly there, like over the, the corona pandemic, usually I'd be like, oh, damn, I got to go run that shit off, you know, and, and now it's more like I stopped and I'm like, wait a second, I didn't kill anybody. You know, like I, I gained five pounds. <laughs> That's all it was. Yeah. You know, you didn't, you didn't kill anyone, yeah. you know, and you think to yourself, you know, this is perfectly okay. It's just my, 
you know, my, my, this, this narrative I've carried about my body, about who I am that continues to play on until finally you're like, wait a second, I didn't kill anybody. I just gained five pounds. I could lose this five pounds. Yeah. Not a big deal. If I really want to, I go, I go, go for a little jog for a week and lose that. But like the whole idea is just accept. I just learned to accept it, accept where I am with how I am knowing gently that if I want to change it, I can, it's okay. It can change. I have the power to change it. And that is really, that's a relief. Like, you know, no, I can change it. And as a result, you find you're just not that eager to change it after all, because it's the story that has um, made you feel so desperate. Yeah. You want to change that about yourself or want to go and, do whatever it is to change yourself immediately Yeah, because we're all about gratitude, like, you know, instant gratification. We want to, that's what angers us. Actually. That's what it's a big part of our egos. Everything must happen. Now we must have everything now. And you know, our anxiety happens because we don't, we, we, you know, we, we don't have it now or we're, you know, we, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's about really, I guess a, the end of it all, end of it all, it's about coming back to the moment. You know this, right? Like this is your work too, is like you coming back to the moment, realizing it's okay. Yeah. It's actually, it's all right. Let your belly out. Yeah. How do you, how do you deal with it? Yeah. Uh, I think you answered it pretty well, to be honest. I think one of the biggest things for me is, is comparison, right? That was a big thing for me for so long is comparing 100%. myself. Comparing, yeah. And that's how I got into fitness, nutrition and stuff was, it was all about finding a vessel that I could use to carry myself to this image of perfection that I was trying to achieve. And um, it, it got to the point where I was comparing myself to myself, but it, yeah. it, it was a mental image I created of how I needed to look. And that was what I was comparing myself to. It wasn't so much other people. Um, but then also professionally in my career is where I do comparison to other people. So I'm always comparing my success to other people's success, things like that. And, uh-huh. um, but yeah, the original question was what the ego, I love how it was my question. I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> you said something about how do you do You basically said, how do you deal with your ego? How do you deal with things like shame? Yeah. Or whatever um, it is? How do you deal with your ego? Uh, comes up. I would say the biggest thing is I connect to other people. Um, so I have um, really close friends. Uh, my my best friend is a psychologist and uh, we have lots that of good, good long chats and I, I feel safe to bring my ego forward with her. Mm-hmm. And, the, and it's funny because we laugh, right? We laugh about it. And uh, because the ego is so erroneous and it's always like cunning and trying to play these games and we just laugh at it. But when I'm in the moment, and it usually comes out like in the shower or whatever, when I'm just playing these roles in my head or having arguments with people in my head, where of course I always win, right? <laughs> and uh, and uh, which is so funny, right? How we're like that. But I, cr- I create a gap, I create distance between me and my thoughts and I watch them play out. And then I, I, I catch myself in the moment and then I'm, I get curious about why. Why was I thinking this thought what was it that i needed to be right about and 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 then what i do is i return myself back to my body because my body knows my body always leads me to exactly where it needs to be and there's an inner peace in my body and uh, i root myself into that and that's helped a lot so Mm -hmm. yeah that's yeah that's great and i like how you said you know uh fighting with myself yeah because that's exactly what it is it's like we're it's like we're practicing how we're going to make things better. 
like it's like when you're angry with somebody and you're practicing in your mind how what you're gonna say to them because you're so <laughs> angry and it's like oh my god i'm gonna be right and i'm gonna get the final word yeah you know and it's like you know uh yeah, it's about getting to a place where it's like, you know, it's okay if you don't get the final word because usually your final word is like, you know, it's, an, I, again, it's an illusion. It's not your final word. It's your ego. It's you wanting to have some sort of power or control yeah. over the situation. You really don't. You yeah. end up having more anxiety anyways. Um, you never you're, have. You're losing your power. You're losing it. In, in actuality, when we're arguing, we're fighting, we're draining our own battery. And I think that's one thing that's been, really helped me is it's like discern what's mine and what's theirs. Do I really need to be engaging in this fight with somebody when it's about them and it's unconscious? And I, there's nothing I can do to change their mind. Just let it go. Stand in my truth. I know what my truth is and I don't have to prove that or show anybody what that is. And I get to, I get to stand in my truth. And I think oftentimes is when we don't feel worthy or we don't feel valid in our truth is when we feel we need to defend it absolutely yeah. and i really think everything we're talking about the remedy to it all is self-worth when you think about mm-hmm. it if you think about all the things we talked about today right shame stigma loneliness disconnection if you have self-worth it's all kind of just doesn't mean a lot they're just terms. When you when you stand in your own truth and you, you feel worthy just to do that, things don't trigger you, or at least not as as badly, right? So yeah, they don't trigger you because you understand. I mean, at least I believe you understand that because you know. Let's face it, your higher self, you know, already knows. Yeah, you're whole. You're perfect. You're fine. It's this physical part of you that's so confused. And gets so immersed in these issues, physical issues, because, you know, you forget that your higher self would never question. Your soul you, the source you of who you are, would never question who you are. Exactly. (laughs) It's your physical self questioning this stuff. And so you have to remember that, you know, we have to remember that we are whole beings. And it's not, you know, when you said, you know, you have to discern between what is theirs and what is yours. Yeah. Most people would get angry and say, you know, that's their stuff and this is mine. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's like doing it out of love, you know, doing it out of peace and calmness and understanding that, hey, it's okay that this argument happened. You know what? This is their stuff. This is my stuff. And I still love them and I wish you well. And maybe we can come back around and have this discussion if you're ready for it. Yeah. You know, maybe they don't want to have it. And like, that's okay. Like, you know, in this isolated thing we're talking about so like scenario um but there's a way like you know i was talking to a friend a couple of days ago who said you know i I can't take this person's bullshit and you know and she's yeah complaining about somebody and saying you know i gotta cut them off and do this and i'm like you don't have to cut anybody off really what you have to do and cutting off doesn't have to be so you know so drastic so severed yeah you know people will find their way out of your life yeah. and yeah I like to cut people off and sometimes it's necessary to be like hey cut but you know you they say um, your vibe attracts your your tribe yeah and so you are literally it's not when people say I need to get out of this toxic situation or to get to remove toxic people it's like remove the toxicity out of yourself in your <laughs> yes. yeah. and the toxic people will leave because you're vibrating now at a frequency that is so good, that is so juicy, and is so like, 
your soul and your element that those people aren't going to have a chance to come around once you've built that muscle and you're not going to have to deal with those things in those ways. You know, the universe is going to give you opportunities like to do with things. It's going to send you the right people. It's going to send you the people who, where you're not going to have to deal with things in that way. Yeah. Where you're not going to have to cut people off. Your relationships are going to become more loving, more, you know, more, um, more understanding and more, uh, substantial and more, uh, um, meaningful and people who are on the same wavelength yeah as you <laughs> yeah so it's really about you you know you know that right like we always how you talk about this all the time it's like it's us it's not them yeah because if we're having to cut all these toxic people out really who's really the one who's toxic here yeah common denominator <laughs> yeah who, what does the common denominator mean yeah yeah so yeah so uh, yeah how, um how, do you have a do you have an answer for that um what was the question again uh well uh, what was the question again? <laughs> what was the question again matt um how two, do we... two adhd guys trying to do a podcast yeah. that's what we should name this <laughs> you know right um uh i don't remember but i think it's it, it basically links back to you know a few of the things we, oh uh when you i guess we were talking about when you oh knowing that the 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 higher self feels whole and um yeah i think we had to we were, i think you asked a question about shame again yeah i can't remember how do you deal with it and how do you how do you deal with it how do you dismantle it and for me it's about knowing and understanding um that i'm whole yeah whatever you say yeah. whatever anybody else says <laughs> i'm whole i know i'm whole so if i just practice the idea and the thought that i'm kind of a perfect human being which we're not but we we work towards becoming more um perfect i guess in our imperfections because there's no none of us are perfect and there's no such thing as perfect and imperfection is beautiful and perfect mm -hmm. and so we have to just you know understand that this is a part of our journey and uh, uh it's all beautiful you know your vulnerability is beautiful yeah. and uh it's all juicy stuff it is can, juicy it's juicy <laughs> It's juicy. It's yummy. You know, it's like, yeah, it's really yummy. And, uh, oh, there's a, I don't know, you know, there's a song by, there's one of my favorite songs by, uh, I think it's Alanis, yeah, Alanis Morissette. It's called, it's called um, Everything. Okay. And, you know, there's a line in it that says, uh, um, what, um, what we, like what, she says in the song, what, we, uh, that what you resist will persist. Cool. So if you keep resisting, um, resisting how uh, perfect and, and great you are and how, like how great you are, um, all the, the, you know, the, your, 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 your existence is going to present you with, with resistance mm -hmm. and all these resistant experiences. Yeah. And so just stop resisting it and start like accepting it, Accept that you're on this planet, you're a mess. And every day you're learning how to become less of a mess. Yeah. And, um, and that's okay. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I got one final question for you and then we'll, we'll wrap up. All right. Um, so I do something in all my podcasts called this is me tip of the week. Okay. This oh. is me represents like, this is me. It's all about self ownership and being standing in our, in, in our truth of who we are in our authenticity and being proud of that. Um, 
what's one tip that you could share with the audience that that's helped you align to um, your authenticity and allow huh. you to be proud of who you are? Huh? Like a physical thing that I do, like a, could be like, anything. A, like an exercise, anything. Yeah. Um, I would say that um, the thing that I have learned to do consistently is um, take walks in nature. And now I don't just take walks in nature. What I do is I find that, um, that I do this activity where uh, you walk and then you look into the distance and it just, it, it really, um, it really grounds you. I don't know. For me, it grounds me to look into the distance. It's like, it, it just, it, I, I take walks and I look into the distance. And that for me is what I do as my form of like um, mindfulness meditation is I get up usually most mornings and I'll take a nice walk and then usually I'll do a workout afterwards. But I'll just take a walk where I just stare into the distance. I stare at the trees from a distance and it really connects me back to myself because in the morning your brain is fresh. Your thoughts are very fresh. Yeah. And it's, it's usually either the calmest part or the most destructive part, or the yeah. most like craziest, most anxious driven part. And so I try to go right. Like, you know, half an hour later, I try to go and try to keep that peace. Or if I have an anxiety, I try to resolve it at the very beginning of the day. And uh, in order for me to like, live uh, a peaceful day and be able to function in the world. And, and uh, yeah, so that's one thing I do that um, that's a tip that I would say I use to come back to myself. And also a practice, it's just a practice of awareness every single day, every single day, whenever I get angry at anything or something disappoints me, I'm so I'm getting so good at it. I just learn how to just stop myself and be like, Oh, okay. That's my brain fucking with me. All right. Okay, yeah. cool. Put an X through it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, again, you leave space to, to be your authentic self, to be able to come back to yourself and you feel it. You feel so happy afterwards. Yeah. The freedom you feel is like, Oh, I didn't buy into that and continuously do it. So for me, I guess that's a tip taking a walk during the day, looking into the distance. Cause I was, I read a very long time ago that that is the biggest cure to depression and anxiety is taking walks and looking into the distance. Okay. I've stuck with me and just that will help you become aware of your crazy brain. Yeah. Okay. And crazy is not bad. You guys, it's just like, sometimes your brain gets out of control and you gotta, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's harmful, Take it down. So. Yeah. Bring it down a notch. Yeah. So, Cool, man. Well, yeah, I really appreciate those. And I know the audience will appreciate those too, because everybody's always looking for ways to have that, that feeling, right? They just, sometimes we just need to take a deep, take a breather in, in, in life. And I think that's a perfect strategy. So. Yeah. So thank you so much for this. Yeah, man. I'm super glad and uh, that you're able to do this and I'm going to be on your podcast next. Um, so you I'm, are. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm very yeah. excited too to have you on Queer at Heart. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, please, for everybody listening, check me out at queeratheart.com. I'm on iTunes, I'm on Spotify. Subscribe, 
leave a review, yeah. you know, like just like really enjoy this 27 topics up. My personal page on Instagram is I am Zabian and I have a bit of my, um, also editing my podcast, that page. Now I used, I had a separate podcast page, which now I'm going to like sort of meld into one page with me, my, my, you know, my, uh, show host, fashion stuff, whatever. But, um, yeah, but it is 27 episodes that I'm very happy with. And, you know, uh, uh, yeah. And I think it's, you know, people like you, Matt, who are going to make this, you know, who, who make it worthwhile, who make the work worthwhile. And when you hear that somebody has, um, you know, uh, resonated with your work or has called in or emailed you, like, you know, a lot of my, the two, the two topics, uh, episodes I did on HIV, like I had, people call in and be like, dude, like you made me feel human again. Oh, like I, I was diagnosed. I felt like I was going to die. Like, you know, just, I lost my shit. And it's that kind of feedback that we get that makes our work worth it on a daily basis is when you yeah. hear those things and you're like, shit, okay, I'm, you know, I'm on the right track. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'll put all uh, your contact info in the show notes as well. So people can connect to you amazing all right brother have yourself a beautiful day thank you so much and oh one thing i want to say is for those listening <laughs> matt also has a group on facebook called um uh the gay brotherhood right the gay men's brotherhood yeah gay men's brotherhood so yeah. it's a great little uh group to connect with other queer gay men uh and, it, and it's and it's been going so great so far because I've been yeah. I've been there observing what people are saying and it's just a little it's a great group like it's not little it's actually getting really big yeah. and so you guys take the opportunity to uh, check that out as well which yeah. we'll talk about on on the podcast coming up indeed well. yeah we will I look right, forward cool. to that okay All right. <laughs> Matt thank you so much yeah you thank you. <laughs>